Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, along with Sarah Clark, and we're here to support, inspire, and educate those who are all consumed with the label of infertility. We totally know how you're feeling. Both Sarah and I were diagnosed with a form of infertility before we hit our 30s. We let the fertility experts dictate our past and ignored what our bodies were trying to tell us for far too long. So here we are, helping you take control of your infertile diagnosis. This episode of The Infertile Diagnosis is sponsored by The Baby and Me Journal. Now, if you follow me over on Instagram, you've seen this journal maybe once or twice, but do you know the story behind it? I started to create this journal for myself um, right before my third and last frozen embryo transfer. I have been doing some mental work and I use the five minute journal and I really wanted a space where I can keep track of my meds, my supplements, my eating habits, my sleep, and also write once a day what was positive about that day. Now, I didn't realize how important this journal was going to be for me because my third embryo transfer ended up in an early miscarriage. And we were blindsided because we thought we had cracked the code. We had our IVF baby, we had our diet, we had our lifestyle, we had our mindset. And obviously, we can't control everything in life. So we thought that was the end of our journey, but two months later, I found I was pregnant naturally for the first time in eight years. Now, even though I was super joyful and incredibly happy that all my hard work of my diet and my lifestyle paid off, I was really pissed off. I was so mad that the knowledge that we can have a lot of control over our fertility health just wasn't out there. So the Baby and Me journal really helped me through these ups and downs that I was having. I truly saw the importance of trying your best and looking for the small positive things you had going on in your life. The Baby and Me journal can be used over three years. And I hear you saying it, girl, I hope my journey is not three years long and me too. That's why I designed the journal to be used at any stage of your journey and when you get pregnant, and when you have your baby. So you can continue this practice of very simple but yet effective mindfulness for three years. It's now truly amazing to look back at the end of my journey and see all the ups and downs and see all the small things that I was truly grateful for. You can check out the Baby and Me journal over on the website at mymindfulme.com. Welcome to our uh, second Q&A. Um, I get a lot of questions, I'm sure you do too, about all the different liquids that is out there for fertility, right? Whether you should or you shouldn't. So like water, coffee, green tea, bone broth, apple cider vinegar, um, and alcohol. Those are kind of like the top ones. And there is a lot of conflicting um, research or um, opinions on whether 
you should, you shouldn't, what you should do with that. So we kind of wanted to just come in here and give you the facts about them um, from a functional medicine standpoint. Um, so let's start with filter water. This is my number one thing, the easiest thing you can do for your fertility health. You agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, gets the, if you're not hydrated, the, the, the sperm will not get to the egg. So it is uh, crucial for your cervical mucus to stay hydrated and have purified water. Yeah. And that's the thing is, um, there's a lot of shit that comes within our water, especially from the taps. Um, everyone, well, you know, I think, I think these are common sense things, but we just have to say them because it might not be a common sense thing, but drinking a lot of water from a plastic bottle, the plastics leach into um, the water and then you drink it. So it's definitely best to avoid um, drinking a load of, you know, water from a plastic bottle. Um, but if you have one every once in a while, it's not going to be the be all and all of your health. Um, but yeah, getting a filter on your water at home that and you know having that the main resource of your water is just so key, especially with all the fake estrogens that get you know pumped into the water, the you know the chemicals to clean it, uh, the fluoride you know for a lot of you know a lot of people get pumped in. What's your take on all those chemicals in the tap water? Yeah, absolutely. Fluoride is not good for your for people that have hypothyroidism or any kind of thyroid issues. Um, yeah, and then, so I use the Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y. I love that one. Um, just gets rid of all those different, like there's birth control residue. There's, there's yeah, arsenic and chlorine and, and yeah, fluoride. Um, also, too, for your shower, too, because a lot of times we're like, oh, we're going to get the filter in our water, but in your shower because you can be absorbing though you can be inhaling the vapors from the from the shower so just get like a twenty dollar um filter of the on the shower head and, and berkey has one that, that i like um but yeah the water filter is is huge for years i drank right out of the tap and thought i was fine but um the water when you have filtered water that's actually great it the, the work the water out of the berkey just tastes like heaven it just yeah. tastes so it gets so hydrating whereas um now, if you do have a tap water, if you have the bottled water, you can just, it's like this dryness that leaves in your, your throat. I guess the alkalinity or something is off, but um, yeah, get, to me, at a, at a minimum, like we don't totally like it, but the Brita, you could use that, but it's not going to filter everything out, but as a cheap first step, that would be somewhere, somewhere to go. Yeah. I mean, that's what we started with was the Brita and then um, we got the, um, the same one as you. And um you just have to get in the habit, right? Like it's a habit building process with making sure you're bringing your water in a clean canteen or whatever kind of um, water bottle you want to use. And um, like you say, once you start filtering that water, it's really hard to go back to any other kind of water because it just doesn't it does not taste the same. And, you know, not everyone necessarily has horrible water. I would say if, um, you know, if you're living in London, like <laughs> definitely filter the shit out of your water. But, you know, if you're up in the high Sierras, you know, check, check what you can go online. All the, um, all the water plants tell you what they put um, in your water. So I know in Hawaii, I didn't realize I bought a fluoride filter before I realized, um, they don't fluoride their water in Hawaii, 
which um, much um, dismay to both my dentist and my doctor. They keep um, asking me if I would like tablets to give to my children. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going like, are you fucking kidding me? You want me to give? And the thing is, like, since we're on fluoride, um, you know, there's, you know, fluoride in toothpaste. And I feel like you can make a decision on this. Uh, whether you do or don't because hopefully your toothpaste you're not swallowing huge quantities of it I know you can it can leach into your gums and stuff but some people do need it like my husband needs fluoride in his toothpaste he has overactive glands and so at night he like um, the saliva is crazy and he actually gets plaque um, really quickly and I've noticed that my eldest does as well so I'm not going to give him fluoride orally but i will let him use fluoride on his teeth so i think that's a decision you need to make because i do feel like i don't use fluoride i don't need it on my teeth my teeth are fine and if i can avoid it at all costs i do but um if you feel like you need it in your toothpaste then i personally think that it's all right but um not in your water and as much water as you need to be drinking to stay hydrated you don't want to be consuming that much right yeah like it's like average of eight glasses, but you can take your weight divide in half and then, what is it? Take your weight divide in half and then whatever that comes out to ounces. Um, not, and you divide it by, I remember the calculation now. See, but, this is why people get so fucked up about like all these do's and don'ts. Like, I, <laughs> I just like, say like get 20 ounces of like a, a bottle and just, if you can finish right. that in a day and if you have a little bit extra, if you need it, if you're exercising or you're not, but yeah, <laughs> there is a specific I mean, calculation. Depending on your your weight, yeah, obviously the you'll depending on your weight, you'll need more or less. But yeah, to me, it's like first drinking it because I for years was, you know, I drink probably one thing of water a day and pee once a day and thought that was good. My urine was like the color of, you know, it was brown. Now it's you know, I'm it, the more you drink, it is a pain in the butt. You will urinate more, but um, that's a good thing. You're flushing right. out the toxins, so. Um, and the more water you drink, the more you'll crave it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The house without my water bottle. But, you know, if you have more, if you're doing more of those crackers and more of breads and things like that, then you need more water. But if you're having a lot of um, salads and fruits and things that have, you know, food that has more water in it, you don't need as much. If you're drinking a little, having a lot of organic watermelon, maybe you're getting a lot of water in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... It's really hard because I think sometimes this is all just common sense, right? I, I don't know. So stating the obvious maybe still needs to be stated like, yeah, drink water and filter your water. There's shit in it. There's a lot of shit in it. Mm -hmm. um, so coffee, coffee. And I'm going to add green tea to this as well, because I once had a comment from someone saying, um, I'm not supposed to have any caffeine while, you know, during my infertility journey. So I'm not having green tea. And I was, we're just sitting there go, that's what I drink. I had a cup of green tea every single day because the benefits of green tea um, outweighed the small amount of caffeine that I was getting. But so I'm, I'm lumping these in together, but let's go for coffee because I think coffee is um, a really big thing for people with infertility, right? Like it seems like they're almost the number one thing they don't want to give up. Yeah, there's a whole, you know, alertness and feeling good with having your morning cup of coffee. And um, so, yeah, that can be helpful. But then I, I see people have having, you know, multiple cups of <laughs> coffee a day, and then they're like, why can't I sleep? So mm -hmm. to me, 
like in a perfect world, we'd say not to have any, any, any caffeine. That's what we say and go on like, and, and basically you can do a withdrawal method. If you're having two or three cups of coffee right now, do not go cold Turkey. You want to do like, um, uh, half cat, like uh, full caffeine with half calf and then, um, decaf and then sorry, like full, full calf and decaf together and then decaf, then down to green tea, then down to herbal tea. So have that over the course of 10 days and drink water in between. Um, but yeah, because it's like, there's studies that say one cup of coffee a day is okay. If you're doing IVF, like the studies are with, are with IVF. But um, I, I also need to really see how caffeine impacts you. So I will do have maybe a cup of coffee a week. But there's, if you have a genetic SNP that maybe you aren't, you know, processing caffeine. I, if I have, if I drink a regular caffeinated coffee, I feel so freaking hyper. I go into like over, over planning mo mode that I'm going to plan and like take on the world. My husband's like, what are you doing? And I just feel like, like jittery and I can, this is gross, but I can smell it in my urine when it comes out. I get just like, oh my God, I've been like overly caffeinated. So there, there are people that aren't able to, you know, to, to really see how it impacts your body. And if you've been having for years and years, you know, two or three cups of coffee a day, you won't know until you take it out and then maybe bring it back in how you feel. So again, very individual would recommend to, you know, not take it out, especially if, especially if you've got sleep issues, you don't have caffeine after two mm -hmm. gives you like it plays around with your you know, ability to get to sleep. So yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down. Well, I think there's two things. One, I think the quality of coffee that you're having ah, matters yeah. like beyond anything, right? If you are drinking shitty coffee that is full of molds and toxins, because that is a very real thing um, amongst the coffee and you can tell. So if you are having Dunkin' Donut or McDonald's coffee, um, I don't know, I'm maybe even going out on a limb and saying Starbucks, you know, um, you're probably having a really low grade coffee so going organic or um you know i know bulletproof isn't necessarily organic but he does you know great things and you know is a huge thing about the molds on his coffee try those out and see how different you feel compared to you know a regular um kind of normal cheapy coffee um and then I would say is how you metabolize it. So there's fast and slow metabolizing, right? So if you're a slow metabolizer, which we probably both are, a cup of coffee, it takes us slower to metabolize it. So that's why like our hearts jumping out of our chest, we're like ready to plan like the next eight years of our lives. Um, and what is that doing to your adrenals? You know, you are, and we haven't really talked about that loads and we will do an adrenal podcast, but um, I would say for a lot of us going through infertility, especially because I feel like there's a lot of type, type A people in this community, you're whacking the shit out of your adrenals already. So doing more caffeine, especially um, if you're doing more than just a cup a day, you're just whacking your adrenals, just like a hard exercise um, they say, um, don't do that. It's, it's really because you are fatiguing your adrenals. Yeah. And with the exercise piece, how do you feel the next day? If you're dragging, then yeah, that's too, you don't need to be pushing yourself. It's too much for you. And it's impacting your cortisol levels, your sex hormones. And yeah, you know, it's like to, to, to dig deeper into that piece. And there's a, again, there's a whole cultural and even, even a, a habitual thing linked with 
with coffee. So it, yes, don't go cold Turkey, do the withdrawal method, but, um, the withdrawal method, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> do the withdrawal protocol. Um, and yeah, and see how, see how it feels without it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know I got, I never had a coffee issue during my infertility. It just wasn't my thing because it never made me feel good. Um, and um, I started drinking coffee after my son was nine months because I was exhausted. And um, anyway, so coffee came into my life. And just recently, if you follow me on Instagram, um, I went decaf for a bit and I was only having one cup a day in the morning. Um, and I just started feeling like shit on it. And coffee isn't recommended on the AIP. It's not like a no go, but it's, you know, they, it's one of those that some people can deal with it. Some people can't. And, um, I've cut it out along with a few other things. And yeah, so it's, it's one of those things is that you have to watch what your body's doing with it. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I said, I drink a cup of green tea, um, once I started getting into my diet and mindset lifestyle, um, because there are really good benefits, it's, it's even in coffee, you know, the antioxidants, the polyphenols, um, you know, there are good things amongst coffee and green tea and your herbal teas. Um, and like you say, you, it's very individualized. I really feel that like, as long as you're not overdoing it, your body can handle it and your, um, um, it seems to be working for you, you know, having a small cup of coffee or a small green tea, um, then I would say enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I think it's this, um, I think, yeah, people just are drinking probably more shitty coffee than they realize that they're drinking. And I personally feel that's the major issue. Um, and then the caffeine on the side of it, but um, so I don't know. There we go. We don't really um, have a good answer for you about uh, coffee or green tea. <laughs> Once well, I think it's individualized and go to your health food store and you can get a nice decaf, yep. uh, fair trade organic one. It just tastes great. Get a little French press. They're like 15 bucks and have that at home. We, we, we do that. Make a little iced coffee with coconut milk. And um, yeah, you don't need all that syrup and all that sweetness and stuff. in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if your it's, coffee milkshake then that's a whole other problem it's one once again just going back to clean eating right like i think we demonize a lot of healthy foods for us one because we've made them shit and two we're overusing them you know they're so red you know you can go to a starbucks i mean jesus christ i have like three around me and i live in a small town um so yeah um so let's let's ta uh, tackle alcohol and then we'll go on to the two like healthier versions of our liquids um once again conflicting evidence research um opinions about whether or not and i guess really red wine is the healthy al healthy alcohol for you um everything else i would say people would agree is unhealthy um and I would say alcohol was my number one hardest thing still is, especially red wine to give up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, um, yeah, like I, I didn't really, 
well, I didn't know any of that stuff. So during infertility, I didn't give anything up. Um, not that I was, I was never, never like a hardcore drinker or anything. All university was a little uh, at hand, but after that, I, I, I was fine. But um, I just see people. I think with the, I think with the alcohol, if if it is hard for you to give up, then maybe that's again to dig into well, why. Yeah. Um, reading a book, sober curious, and I'm having someone on my podcast talk about this very issue because why do we feel when we're going out that we need to drink? Like, wh what is this societal thing that we have that order to go out and have fun otherwise if you're not drinking then you're just like this real boring person you know why can we not go out and dance and not drink why do we have to what's the societal thing going on so if you're feeling all this pressure and also you may be for infertility you're you've decided not to drink and it's like even that is like too restrictive and maybe you go to a wedding and maybe you decide to have a glass of white wine like a glass of wine or you want to have a spritzer or something like that just make sure to me if like if you're gonna have wine you can get organic wine. There's lots of organic wines now, mm -hmm. um, which are quite delicious. Um, and yeah, aim, aim for an organic wine or organic cider because we're looking at gluten-free things. Um, so I do like a gin or um, a cider or a wine. But if you have a yeast issue, if you've got a fungal thing going on and you're doing wine, like alcohol is like with yeast. So it's just feeding that and that that may not make you feel good so again very individual um and digging in a little more about the societal piece and then also the health piece about what it's doing to your body yeah um for me i got a lot of stuff off of the paleo mom um she's kind of known as the mother of autoimmune paleo protocol um she's a a scientist, a doctor, um, you know, she's, she gets into the nitty gritty of things. So, um, but her, she has a blog post and I'll link it in the show notes. And this was what finally made me be really rigid on even just having a glass because obviously I cut down, you know, I wasn't the party girl that I was used to be before, but I would still have a glass every now and again, or once a week, or maybe, you know, more during like the holidays. And so I'm going to read this clip. And she said, even a very small amount of alcohol can damage the lining of the guts. Um, specifically, alcohol leads to mucosa damage in the upper small intestine. So that to me, because I knew I had an underlining gut health issue, was finally my wake-up call that even just a small amount was doing damage. So as much as I was eating healthy, drinking bone broth, you know, sleeping, all the mindfulness, um, because I still wasn't getting pregnant, I felt like you're still doing that damage. You're working so hard at healing, and yet you're still sending like this little atom bomb into your stomach, which is the root cause of your infertility. Stop, like fucking just stop, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. Yeah, I had her on the podcast. She's like super smart. And it's like to really, yeah, like if, if, if you're hearing this and you're like, no way in hell am I going, am I giving up your alcohol? It's just like when we say, um, you know, if you, but with a diet piece, no way in hell can I ever give up cheese? Whatever you're having the issue giving up, that's probably the thing you should give up. Yeah. And it can be like scary to hear that. And you're like, oh, screw that. I don't want to. But if, you know, $60,000 in potential IVF 
taking a functional approach and you know, really you know, looking at gut health and looking at things differently, um, that, could, that could be the difference, right? So I'm not to say that's yeah. going to be a difference, but um, it, it, it's, it, it does matter. And I think it's to, again, it's very individual um, and to, I would explore taking it out for a period of time. hundred percent. The elimination diet, that period of period, there's no alcohol. So. Yeah. Um, and I had to like keep mentally telling myself that a, um, for me, a baby was more important than a night out or right. for me, a baby was more important than that glass of wine. And it is literally still to this day out of sight, out of mind. I do not keep it in the house unless I'm wanting to drink because I know I just have this tendency. It's how I grew up. It's how I saw my parents grew up. It is just, I'm sure I'm on like borderline, you know, there's that, you know, they say it's, um, yeah, addictive behavior. My husband loves a drink. I mean, we're responsible with it. Don't get us wrong. But um, that is just my, my vice. And um, I would say, um, especially anyone with having an autoimmune issue, you just have to go hardcore for that time. If you want to bring it back in after you like have accomplished your goal, um, then do. I did. That's fine. But if you want to reach your goal quicker, you just have to stop you know, throwing those bombs down in where the root cause of your fertility is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and suck it up and it'll, it'll probably be hard and, and you can go gradually if, if you are drinking, you know, yeah. more. Exactly. Um, so let's go on to two things that I both feel that we um, are passionate about to improve health overall health. Um, I have heard some people be really blase about our first apple cider vinegar of, you know, there's some myths out there that it's this like, um, it will fix your hormones and it's the cure to infertility. But we both know that that's not true. That's not what apple cider vinegar is used for. What do you, um, when you recommend it, what do you tell your clients about it? Yeah, it's just, it's more for like, I guess if you have low stomach acid, it helps to, to, with digestion. So I've, I've been taking it for like in the morning, I take like a teaspoon with, with a little bit of water and before, actually before each meal, along with digestive bitters to help with, with the gut health. And so, um, and it's been, been helping and then it helps with the stool and, and, and all of that and being able to assimilate and, and, and digest. So um, just a little bit for, for, you know, before each meal has been helpful for me. So and make sure it's, I, I use Bragg's. That's the, um, so you don't want to be doing, it's got to be uh, organic. Right. Uh, natural. Yeah. It's not just cloudier, like, the better. Yeah. With the, the mother in it, it's got to be, yeah, you don't want the one off the shelf. That's just the vinegar thing. But um, yeah, that's how, how, but there's like, I don't have it in front of me, but there's like list and list of things that it can be helpful for. But I think if you're just doing apple cider vinegar, again, like these, these things out there where you can do this and do that, it's not, it's not about that one thing. No. And it's not a quick fix to fertility. And I think that's how it's getting, it's uh, getting demonized because people think, oh, just take apple cider vinegar, just like royal jelly or, you yeah. know, it, that's not what it's there for. It is, um, it is, and can be a great healing tool and help with digestion. And once again, we're going back to the gut and that's where we're focusing on healing. Um, but yeah, it really pisses me off when it, it gets presented that way because it can be super helpful into your 
whole holistic thing. It's not like, once again, you're not taping, taking apple cider vinegar and rubbing it on your lady bits, you know? No. <laughs> I don't know. What it, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. There is like, like, there's tons and tons of blogs about apple cider vinegar and it's a cure all, but, um, Again, I go back to my analogy. If you're having apple cider vinegar every day and you're still eating your McDonald's, you know, your cheeseburger, I don't know. But yeah, yeah it helps with digestion and do you, I don't know what else, what else does it help with, you know? Or? Oh, there's like a whole list of like skincare, thyroid. Um, but I think once it just comes back to maintaining a healthy gut, right? Everything's linked. So anything that else that it improves, it's for the fact that you're it's helping improve your gut it's helping healing it's helping your digestion which we know is super important um and last but not least um bone broth oh yeah and this is um this is like kind of liquid gold out there now right this is like drink bone broth and all your ailments will go away but once again it's just like the apple cider vinegar it is a healing mechanism for your gut um and when you use it alongside the right diet, the right sleep, the right rest, the right exercise, it's just an aid to help you um, heal quicker. And some people are going to have adverse reactions from it. So if there's like, I think it's like histamine or if there's yes. like issues going on, right? That's why if you don't want to do the, the fermented foods, if you get flushed, uh, especially yeah with wine and things like that that we get histamine i used to get like with the red wine it make me so my nose would go like bright you know really red um and so yeah like so with so with um the hell are we talking about uh, broth <laughs> histamine <laughs> wow <laughs> just like, going on right yeah. uh yeah make your own or buy or buy it i have you know i've made my you've probably made your own because you're you're like thinking that but like i've made few things of it but i would buy it more but i i don't know i just um i think it's nice to have but if you're just doing the bone bone broth and not looking at all the other things i don't think you're yeah. getting to the cause yeah exactly i know for me it was um i had it loads i was good on it like you say you have to be careful there are some histamines that you can get and people not all people are great on it um, and I think that's important to know because once again, I think it, people look out in the fertility world and go, oh, another quick fix. I'll just have bone broth where it doesn't work like that. Um, but yeah, for me, I took it loads all the time. I drank it raw. I made my own because um, when I kind of got into it, people weren't making it. You couldn't buy it on the shelves. <laughs> now you can choose from like 10 different versions. And once again, make sure you're getting the good stuff. And unfortunately, the good stuff is very expensive. Um, but um, it will help just along apple cider vinegar to um, improve your gut health. And that's where we're, you know, trying to get people to focus. Stop looking at your fucking ovaries. They're there. You know, they work. <laughs> it's your gut that's not working properly. Um, so anyways, I hope that uh, today's Q&A has given you a little insight about um, how, what, and why about some of the, you know, more popular liquids in the infertility community and when and when not to use them. Um, thank you again, Sarah, for joining us and we will see you next week for, I don't know, I haven't planned next week yet, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> Right. Enjoy your day. And I hope everyone out there listening has a beautiful day as well. Bye.
a few more things before you go. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review and or a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and it would totally help us out. Also, if you like to connect with either of us, you can find me, Monica, over at mymindfulme.com and you can connect with Sarah over on fabfertile.com. All the links you need to find us on our websites, our social media, any products we talk about, book, special offers, or any guests that we have on, you're going to find all that information in the show notes. So that's it. Thank you once again for being with us here on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.